Shabbat Shalom. I am going to talk today about the covenant of the Sabbath day. And it's amazing when you really think about it. I think uh, there's, of course, a lot of things that Christianity has incomplete and a lot of things that even uh, Messianic congregations have incomplete. But to me, one of the biggest mysteries of the world in religion is how people can read the Bible and ever come up with the Sabbath day being done away with, you know, or the Ten Commandments for that fact. You can debate on the Torah and you can debate on which is in and which is not and why we do this and why we do that. But like I always say, if you had taken somebody from birth and stuck them on a desert island and the only thing they had in their hand was a Bible, uh, and you came back 40 years later and they were reading that Bible every day, it would be impossible to ever come up with the fact that the Ten Commandments are done away with or that the Sabbath day is changed to any other day. Matter of fact, I've talked many times about the in Hebrew having uh, word pictures and how originally we know that language is something that man made, uh, alphabets is something that man made, but it, originally, you know, when Yahweh was speaking, you know, they were just uh, utterances that are coming and uh, the first alphabet was a pictograph language and we know that the pictograph for the word Shabbat literally means to return to the house or, or the family of the covenant and what I found through my 30 years of belief is usually with the person who's coming to truth the Sabbath is the one thing that clicks you know you could talk to people about so many different things the dead are in the grave they're not up in heaven and you go back and forth but usually when someone when it hits when it just clicks together that the Sabbath is something that is important to Yahweh, it's something that needs to be reckoned with and commanded, usually everything else seems to fall in place. You know, that people start to understand the paganism in religion and, uh, and things change from there. And of course, the Sabbath is also called the test commandment because every other commandment, anyone can sit here and say, well, I don't lie, well, I don't steal, well, I don't commit adultery. And we know... Uh, from Yeshua's words, that sin starts in the mind, and we, we're not mind readers, so we don't know if somebody is sinning or not. But with the Sabbath, you can't hide it. The Sabbath isn't something that you can just say it's in my heart or something else. Either you're working on the seventh day or you're resting on the seventh day and worshiping. I always say working or worshiping. So it's an extremely important uh, commandment. It's like I said, it's the sign of the covenant. We'll see, it's eternal. So what I'd like to do is, because it's such a big, I mean, I could probably do a whole course at the Bible school just on the Sabbath day, and to try to put it into a one-hour sermon is not very easy. But what I want to do is, first I want to go through showing you the reason for the Sabbath, why it was created, uh, to show you the importance of it that's there, then get into, did Yeshua change the Sabbath, show the Sabbath in the New Covenant, and then end up with the Sabbath, with the millennium and some things. And possibly if we have a little time, maybe going through a couple of misinterpretations. I don't want to go too much over with it. But starting in Genesis 1.31, and we know from creation week, it's very clear, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. These are six literal days. We know that because everything created needed what was created the next day to survive. Plants could not go a thousand years without having uh, oxygen 
and light from the sun and the moon and whatnot. So we know that there were six literal days of creation. And then in verse 31 of chapter 1, And Elohim saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So everything was good, evening and morning the sixth day. So here it is at this point, everything is good. So now he has the whole creation that he made. Everything was good, but there's one other thing he's going to create as you could say the cherry on top of the pie, you know, the icing on the cake for for mankind. So as we go into chapter 2, it says, And the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their host. And on the seventh day, Elohim completed his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. So clearly we see here that the actual act of resting created the seventh day. So it's not just something that's in your heart. It's not just a philosophical situation or discussion that we're going to talk about. It is literally a part of creation. The same way the sun, the moon, and the stars are a part of creation. So nobody is going to sit here and say, you know something by Yeshua's sacrifice and death and resurrection, there's no moon anymore. It's not there. The moon is in my heart. Or the sun is in my heart. It's not there anymore. If somebody started saying that, you'd probably think he was out of his mind. So the same way where the Sabbath is put in the same correlation of that. It's a part of time. You know, the same way that the sun, the moon, and the stars are a part of time. The Sabbath is literally a piece of creation. Yahweh worked for six days. You know, physically worked to create something, a beautiful earth and creation for us. And his very act of resting, by doing that, he created something. He created a space of time that comes every seventh day that we know as the Sabbath. Some people will say the Sabbath was not created to Mount Sinai, yet the word here for rest is Shabbat. It's the very word for Sabbath. It's utterly ridiculous to think that. And when we get into Exodus, we will see clearly that the Sabbath was created here. It was not created several thousand years later at Mount Sinai. Uh, If we go to Romans 1, the book of Romans. And I'm going to start in verse 16. Romans 1 and verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the good news of Messiah, for it is the power of Elohim to salvation to everyone believing, both to Jew first and to the Aramean. So, Paul is telling us now the power of Elohim of salvation, for in it the righteousness of Elohim is revealed from faith to faith, even it has been written, but the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of Elohim from heaven is revealed against all iniquity and wickedness of men who unjustly suppress the truth. Because the thing known of Elohim is clearly known within them, for Yahweh revealed it to them. For from the foundations of the world, the invisible things of Elohim are clearly seen and understood in the things he created, even his eternal power and divinity, so that they may be without excuse. So to the atheist, the fact that the Sabbath day is a part of creation and set apart every seventh day is a part that there's a creator. Because if you look at the sun and the moon and the stars and everything else he created, the trees and everything else, although they all point to creation and not evolution, the invisible things of creation, such as the Sabbath, <laughs> you know, clearly point there's got to be a creator because that's what the Sabbath was all about. Six days was the creation itself and the seventh day was to show who created it. 
And I, I believe myself that from creation, starting with Adam all the way till today, that there has always been somebody every seventh day worshiping Yahweh. You know, clearly we know the heavenly host does, but somebody on this earth. You know, that there's never been a point where nobody was worshiping. That the seventh day is the seventh day is the seventh day. And if we can continue... So he's saying, from the foundations of the world, going back to creation, verse 21, because they knew Yahweh and they did not glorify him and give him thanks to him as Elohim, but became vain in their imaginations and their unwise heart was darkened. So again, even in Genesis 4, it says in that time they started calling on the name of Yahweh. So it's not that his name was hidden or they didn't know there's a creator of heaven. You know, we knew from the very beginning. You know, he took Adam, he brought him in the garden, he showed him his ways, he taught him of his commandments, and mankind knew something of the Creator. You know, but what's happening? If you don't honor Yahweh every seventh day, you know, the Sabbath is made for man, as we're going to see. It's our glory to honor Him because it humbles us into who we are. And if you don't do that, what's happening here? You're going to get in your imaginations. They became vain in their imaginations and their unwise heart was darkened. You ever talk to an atheist? How proud they seem, you know? Oh, it's weakness to believe in some kind of deity. We can do everything ourselves. And like I say, every atheist that's ever lived is laying in a box in the ground, back in the dirt, and the Elohim of heaven that created them all is still there and alive. So who's, who's the victor in these circumstances? Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became foolish. You know, like it says in the psalm, the fool has said there is no Elohim. Professing to be wise, they became as foolish. And it actually is foolishness, you know, whether it's a scientist trying to prove evolution, you know, or an atheist, they actually sound absolutely ridiculous and foolish when they're trying to explain everything we have here, that it came from nothing. You know, that it came from nothing. You know, that all of a sudden there was a bang. Well, if there's a bang, where did the bang come from? You need something to bang it, you know? And something's got to explode from the bang. So there's got to be something. And it's actually absolutely ridiculous how they tried to explain it. Professing to be wise, they became as fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible Elohim into a likeness of an image of corruptible man. Evolution, evolution. And of birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You know, that somehow this, this monkey, you know, evolved into what we are today. And if that's the case, then why are there still monkeys? <laughs> you know? Absolutely illogical. Because of this, Elohim gave them up to filthy lusts of their heart and their bodies to be dishonored among themselves. Right? So where does it lead to in the end? Where does this belief in no creator and, and human, secular humanism, where does it lead to? You know where it leads to? It leads to aborting of babies, infocide, the murdering of millions of babies every single year around the world. And that's a woman's right to choose. So again, you take Yahweh out of the picture. You take his eternal law, which is his character, out of the picture. And what is man going to do? He's going to do the most wicked thing in the world. If they were killing old people, if they were taking old people and throwing them off of cliffs, we would be horrified. And yet every day, every, every second that goes by, a baby is being murdered. And people say it's a woman's right to choose. You know, just last week, a a congressman in America made some off-color remark, you know, about rape, you know, which is bad. But yet, it was like that's the end of his career by one word that they took out of context. 
And yet people, they kill babies every few minutes, every few seconds, and nobody says a word. If you do, then you're wrong. You're taking away a woman's right to choose. Everybody should have a right to choose what they want to do with their own body. Well, what if I want to take my body and swing it around and kill people with it? Do I have that choice? You know? What if I want to put dynamite on my body and blow myself up? Do I have that choice? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. That you have the right to choose what you want to do with your body when it's killing an infant, killing a baby. And the world goes on. Because, because they don't understand the Sabbath. You see how important it is. They don't understand there's a creator. And every seventh day we come out of this wicked, evil world that we've destroyed. That Yahweh made perfect for us. And beautiful with colors and animals and birds and everything we can imagine. And all mankind has done since day one is destroy it. And unless we come every seventh day to get a picture of what he's restoring, this is, this is the end result. And that's why I say we'll never last another generation. We can't last another generation in the world that man's created. So certainly mankind does not have the answers to his problems through all the technology he's created. The technology is actually bringing him closer to his own destruction. It's that simple. Not because of the technology, but because of the evil intention of the heart of man. You know, like I said, Albert Einstein created the ability to split the atom, and here it is, he thought that it would be used to heal cancer, do all these things. And what happens? He finds out they're using it to make nuclear bombs, atomic bombs, that can wipe off every man, woman, and child off the planet. And what did he say before he died? He said, I don't know what weapons they will fight World War III with, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. And he was someone who believed in a creator. He understood it. Because of this, Elohim gave up their filthy lusts of their hearts and their bodies to be dishonored among themselves, who changed the truth of Elohim into a lie and worshipped and served the created thing more than the creator who is blessed forever. Evolution, evolution is a, a, a lie. It is a bold-faced lie and just something that's not of Yahweh. Because of this, Elohim gave them up to dishonorable passions, for even their females changed the natural use of their sex to that contrary to nature. And so also their males forsook the use of females, which is natural, and burned with lust toward one another. Male with male, they did what is shameful and received in themselves the just recompense of their error. That's what happens. You don't honor the Creator. You don't give Him glory every seventh day. You, you, don't, you don't give Him the glory He that is due Him to put us back in our proper place and keep his, his laws. And this is what mankind's laws come down to. Another thing that's ridiculous. You know, if, if homosexuality goes on, then what's going to happen? How on earth, after a generation, would there be any people left? Oh, we got that all worked out. We'll clone them. You know, we'll clone them. And then after that, what are they going to do? They're going to clone half man, half uh, robot. And then half man, half animal. And they'll just keep going on and on and on, Right? until they, they, they make the most wicked, evil, demonic thing that you can ever imagine, and we're back to Genesis 6. That's mankind's solution. That's not Yahweh's solution. And that's why the Sabbath day is so important for believers, because it's returning to the family of the covenant. It's where it all started in Genesis 1 and 2, and it's where it's ending in Isaiah 66. Mark 2. In verse 27, he says, And he said to them, The Sabbath came into being for man's sake, not man for the Sabbath's sake. Yahweh's not up there. He's not some prideful being that sits there, Come on, bow down, worship me. 
No, we worship Him to put us in perspective. We worship Him and give Him the proper honor so that we could have the proper humility to know how to love our neighbors ourselves. It's that simple. So then the Son of Man is master of the Sabbath day also. You know, Yeshua is the master of the Sabbath day. Why on earth would any so-called Christian that believes in His saving blood want to do away with Him as the master of this day? Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, Now, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is written by Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, the man that had everything in his life that you can imagine. What can be done after the king that hasn't been done already? And what is this wisest, richest, most glorious man of life? What is his conclusion of the matter? Fear the Elohim and keep his commandments, for this applies to every man. Or this makes man complete. It makes man complete. Fear the Elohim and keep his commandments, for this makes man complete. So let's go to Exodus 20. Let's start looking at the Sabbath there and the reinstituting of it. We know that the Israelites lost the recognition of the Sabbath day in the wilderness. And this is one of the first things that Yahweh is going to reinstitute to them because we know even before they get to the Ten Commandments that Yahweh is working with them. He's telling them not to work on Shabbat. So even before he's reinstituting this, it's something that is extremely important to Yahweh and to the, uh, the Israelites. So Exodus 20 and verse 8. He says, And all the people answered together. Exodus 20 and verse 8. I was in 19. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How can you remember something that was never told you before? It's like if I said to everybody coming in, remember to take your shoes off when you come into the room. I would say remember because I've said it before. If I never said it, if it was the first time, then I would just be saying to do it. But if you say remember something, you're bringing into remembrance that something you already said. So the fact that he says remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is showing that it already has an origin. And he's going to tell us exactly where the origin is. The origin is creation like we just read. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your Elohim. You shall not do any work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male slave nor your slave girl and your livestock and your stranger who is in your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all which is in them, and he rested, he Shabbated on the seventh day. On account of this, on account of this, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and sanctified it. How on earth can anybody say the Sabbath doesn't go back to creation? He clearly shows it here and tells us why do we remember, why do we bring back into remembrance of something that was already said? Because he's bringing it back to creation. But again, Israel, in their hardness, in their first diaspora, you could say in Egypt, they lost account of this. They lost fact of the name of the Creator, which is another extremely important part of the covenant, and they lost fact of this special day that connects them to him as his children. You go back to Exodus 16, like you said, because even before we got to the Ten Commandments, we see this Exodus 16 and verse 23. And he said to them, that is what 
Yahweh said, Tomorrow is a rest, a holy Sabbath to Yahweh. What you will bake, bake, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that is left over to keep it until the morning. And they laid it up until the morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink and no maggot was in it. And Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to Yahweh. Today you will not find it in the field. You shall gather it in six days, and on the seventh day is a Sabbath, and none will be found. And it happened on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather and they did not find any. And Yahweh said to Moses, until when do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Behold, because Yahweh has given the Sabbath to you, therefore he has given to you two days of bread on the sixth day. Each one of you remain in his place. Do not let anyone go out from his place on the seventh day. And the people rested on the seventh day. So very, very clearly that even in the miracle of the manna, before we get to the Ten Commandments, Yahweh is already putting a provision in there that on the sixth day they would get two. I will mention for people that are into the false lunar Sabbath, there's nothing here that ever talks about long days, three days after the fourth Sabbath, what you do or anything like this. So I'm not going to mention really hardly anything on the lunar Sabbath because it's so utterly ridiculous. We do have articles on it. We have messages on it on the website that anybody could hear on that later. But today I want to focus on the real Sabbath. I want to focus on the Sabbath. It's very clear, which we just read in uh, Genesis, and we read again in Exodus 20, and we're reading again here, that six days you work, the seventh day is the Sabbath. That is a pattern from creation. Six days work, seventh day Sabbath. So we know whatever other cycle we're going to have, on the calendar, whatever monthly cycle, yearly cycle, it's not going to affect the weekly cycle. The weekly cycle is always going to be a seven-day cycle. Nothing in Scripture, even remotely, ever says anything else concerning that. If we go to Psalm 111, Psalm 111, starting in verse 7, And of course, we did see from Exodus 16 that because people ask all the time about what can we do and not do on the Sabbath is pretty simple. We don't do uh, our normal work, whatever that work is, whether it's servile work of cutting the grass, doing dishes, doing any kind of cooking. You know, We wouldn't do any kind of regular work. Whatever our work is during the six days of the week, we would not be doing that on Shabbat. So we cease from all types of physical labor on that day. And of course, and we'll read in a little while, we don't seek our own pleasure. It's not a day for going to ball games or playing ball in the park or anything else. It's a day of worship. It's a day toward that we have the great privilege, actually, of from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. That's what it says in Leviticus 23, 32. You shall keep your Sabbath from sunset to sunset. That we see that clearly it's a privilege that for 24 hours we get the honor of being able to give glory to the creator of the universe for everything that we have. You know, as we saw in Romans 1, that everything of creation, because no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, every human being needs food and water for substance every week. And of course, clothes and shelter. So no matter who you are, you did not provide that for yourself. I don't want to sound like President Obama, <laughs> because I know he had that with that, but uh, what I'm saying is, no matter who you are, you may have worked toward whatever you're doing, you work for six days, but you did not uh, 
make the trees to make your your desks or to make your furniture or to make your house you know you didn't provide the trees that produce the fruit you know that the creator of the universe provided things for you to be able to work and of course he honors our work and what we do you know that he blesses it but at the same rate every seventh day no matter who you are you know when you're sitting there every Shabbat every human being that's on this planet should be giving glory to somebody who's giving him air you know if we didn't have air if we didn't have the Sun then we couldn't survive so that's where the glory of Shabbat comes in there in Exodus uh, I'm sorry Psalm 111 in verse 7 the works of his hands are truth and judgment all his commandments are true standing firm forever and ever they are done in truth and uprightness he sent redemption to his people he has commanded his covenant forever holy and awesome is his name the name Yahweh the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom a good understanding to all those who are practicing them his commandments his praise is standing forever so again we see that these commandments and there's ten commandments we just read it in Exodus uh, they stand firm forever and ever. They're not for a time. They're not for a point. You cannot get stronger wording in the Hebrew than what you're seeing here in other scriptures. Than when they say forever, ha olam, till time out of mind. You know, you cannot get stronger wording in the Hebrew. Psalm 119 and verse 72. He says, my tongue shall answer your word for all your commandments are righteousness. All your commandments are righteousness. So again, it's not that there's good commandments and bad commandments. When we see that the, the Ten Commandments, we never see them broken up. You will never see in the Old Testament or the New Testament ever where it says one is done away with, nine are kept. It's just never there. Like I said, there's nowhere even remotely that would even say that. Romans 2.13. Romans 2.13. For it's not the hearers of the Torah who are righteous with Yahweh, but the doers of the Torah shall be justified. It's not the hearers of the Torah that are righteous with Yahweh, but the doers of the Torah shall be justified. 1 Corinthians 7.19 Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of Yahweh is everything. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of Yahweh is everything. So again, the Brit Hadashah does not contradict with the Tanakh. No matter which one you're reading, you're seeing this. You have more than 150 direct commandments that the commandments of Yahweh are forever and they are to be kept for all generations. <clears throat> if we go to John, actually 1 John, 1 John 2, in verse 4, usually when, I ha when Yahweh gives me the blessing of, of going on a mission trip somewhere to a country that has never heard this before, just like recently in Nicaragua. I really, really enjoy it because for people that are coming and coming from Christianity and, and yet they're sitting in that chair because they, they're knowing something's wrong. I'm telling you, every time it never takes more than one sermon of going over these scriptures that, boom, the people are sold 100% because they see it. There are so many scriptures that clearly show that Yahweh's commandments are forever and no scripture Absolutely no scripture that ever says that they're done away with or they're bad. Like I said, you can go from Genesis to Revelation and you only see blessings for obedience, cursings for disobedience. So 1 John 2 and verse 4. The one saying, I have known him, Yeshua, and not keeping his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in that one. 
But whoever keeps his word, truly in this one, the love of Yahweh has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one claiming to rest in him ought to walk even as he walked. The one claiming to rest in him. Do you ever hear that? That the Sabbath, the Sabbath is Yeshua. People, it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeshua is the, the, the moon. Yeshua is the star. What, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> you know? He might have created them. He might have glory as that, but he's not a star. You know, he might be a superstar, but he's, you don't look at a star and say, that's Yeshua. Or you look at the moon, that's Yeshua. You know? No, of course not. So how on earth can he be the Sabbath? You know, of course we rest in him. But like we said, the Sabbath is something that was created. Yahweh on day four created the sun, the moon, and the stars. On day seven, he created the Sabbath day. So right here it's saying that he who says he knows him and keeps his commandments is a liar. So anybody that says he is the Sabbath is a liar. That's simple. And then he says here, which is interesting, the one claiming to rest in him, the one claiming to say he is my rest, ought to walk even as he walked. How did Yeshua walk? Well, let's take a look. Luke 4.16. Luke 4.16 And he, Yeshua, came to Nazareth where he was brought up. And as was his custom, he went in on the day of the Sabbath into the synagogue and he stood up to read. What was Yeshua's custom? To keep the Sabbath. To every Sabbath to honor Yahweh. So he who says... He is his rest, ought to walk as he walked. This is exactly how he walked. If you go to Mark 6 and verse 2, we see the same thing. Mark 6 and verse 2. And the Sabbath having come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Of course, talking about Yeshua again. And hearing many were amazed, saying, From where did these things come to this one? And what is the wisdom given to him that even such works of power come about through his hands. So again, you never see Yeshua keeping any other day of rest as the Sabbath except for Saturday, the seventh day. You never see Yeshua keeping uh, the Sabbath according to a lunar reckoning. You never see it. You clearly see the seventh day is the seventh day is the seventh day. Back to 1 John 2, or 1 John, now we'll go to 5. 1 John 5, in verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of Elohim when we love Yahweh and keep His commandments. You know, ask somebody who is against this habit. Do you love love Elohim? If you do, this is the way you know it, by keeping His commandments. For this is the love of Yahweh, that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not a burden. You know? I mean, who on earth, what, what demonic reasoning could ever make someone think that to have a day of rest, a day of worship, a day of feasting, a day of fellowship. Wow, this is such a burden. Oh, isn't it? Aren't you burdened? Yeah, I'm so burdened. You know, and then I'm going to be more burdened when we have that great meal out there in a little bit. Oh, what a burden that is. You know, and then reading my Bible, oh, I got to read it again. I mean, what, what is going through their minds? I, I remember when I was first coming into the Sabbath and uh, I had a business, I was working 60, 70 hours a week and I couldn't wait for the Sabbath to come. I mean, Friday evening would come and it was like, wow, great. You know, I'm getting up five in the morning, working till one or two in the morning. And now I can actually rest and not feel guilty and read my Bible all day, be with the brethren, have so much fun. 
And people are trying to tell me, you're going under bondage? You're going back under bondage? I'm like, wait a second, let's analyze this. I'm working 70 hours a week, and now I get one day that I get to rest and worship and sleep and, 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 and revive myself. What do you want me to do? Work another 16 hours? You know, where's the bondage? Is the bondage adding more work? You know? The guys out there on Saturday, you know, as I'm going to service and I see them in 90 degree heat clipping the little grass on the side of their lawn, you know, and then you come back seven hours later and they're still doing it. <laughs> you know, where's the bondage? There's no bondage in the Sabbath. The, bond, the Sabbath is freedom, you know. Fellowship, fun, worship, good, good meals. It's actually freedom. So his commandments are not a burden and his commandments are not a burden because everything having been regenerated of Yahweh overcomes the world and this is the victory which overcomes the world even our faith. Our faith. So very clearly we should love Yahweh's commandments. We should never look at the commandments as a burden because the commandments are the eternal character of Yahweh. They show everything about who he is, what he's about and it teaches us how to love him with our heart, mind, soul and strength and how to love our neighbor as ourself. Revelation 14.12. Now this is something that's in the future. hasn't happened yet. In very interesting scripture. Revelation 14.12. Here is the patience of the saints. So somewhere in the future we're seeing the world's getting worse and worse. And it's even going to get worse. And there's world war. And here's the patience of the saints though. Here are the ones keeping the commandments of Yahweh and the faith of Yeshua. Does keeping the commandments contradict our faith? Absolutely not. What did Paul say in Romans 3.31? You know? Is belief in, 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 in Yeshua, does it contradict the Torah? Yahweh forbid. It establishes the Torah. That our faith in Yeshua should be establishing the Torah. That the deeds that come in our life after faith in Yeshua is the evidence of our faith. You know, we see that in the book of James. Faith without works is dead. Anybody can sit in a room Till the kingdom comes and say how much faith they have. But without the deeds, there's no evidence of that. There's absolutely no evidence. It's like now if somebody said, get out of the room, it's on fire. Show us the evidence. You'd see smoke, you'd see flames, you know. You'd smell something. We see no evidence of it. And there's no evidence that keeping Yahweh's eternal, beautiful, loving Torah leads to anything but good things. And that's why I say when you really think about what Christianity is teaching, it is about the most demonic thing you can ever get to. You know, because it's bad enough to teach contrary things to the scriptures, but to actually take the Bible and say that Yahweh is telling us, you know, that, that he wants us to disobey him, that somehow only by disobedience we can make him happy. is about the most perverted thing you can ever get in your life. And that's where it leads to, back to Romans 1, with every perversion that man comes up with, from there. So did Yeshua change the commandments? Did Yeshua somehow change the commandments? Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew the 5th chapter. I would say if, if only there was a scripture where Yeshua out of his own mouth said, no, I didn't come to change the commandments. If only it was there, right? But it is. We know it. Matthew 5, verse 17. How can it be any plainer than this? That was the question. Did you come to annul the Torah of the prophets? Matthew 5.17. And his answer was very simple. I did not come to annul, but to fulfill. 
Truly I say to you, until the heaven and the earth pass away, in no way shall one yod or one stroke pass from the Torah until all come to pass. A yod, the littlest letter or stroke, you know, uh, the, the, the vowel dotting. Therefore, whoever loosens one of these commandments, the least, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the worst in the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing worse in the kingdom than somebody who would be teaching against the eternal character of the laws of the Torah of Yahweh. But whoever doesn't teaches them, this one shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, if your righteousness shall not exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of Yahweh, never. So of course, it's not just the, the physical uh, keeping of these things. We want to look at the spiritual side of it. We know sin starts in the mind and in the heart. But clearly, Yeshua did not come to change the Torah. John twelve forty nine. Because another thing we hear, I'm sure you've heard it before in Christianity, is that, you know, Yahweh the Father is this old man with a long beard and a mean look, and he gave these bad laws for us to, to punish us. And then here came this effeminate son with long hair and just looking so nice, and he was so sweet, and he came to do away with all of those mean laws of his daddy. The only thing is, I don't see that in the Scripture anywhere. I don't get it anywhere. I don't see it. So let's see what Yeshua actually did say when he came. John 12 and verse 49. Did Yeshua come to bring his own law? Did Yeshua come to do away with the, the Torah of his Father? Or is he actually, is he is the Word? Is he is the living Torah? 12 and verse 49. For I did not speak for myself, Yeshua saying this, but he who sent me the Father, he has given me command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His commandments are eternal life. The one things I speak as the Father has said to me, so I speak. Very simple. His commandments are eternal life. Remember in Matthew uh, nineteen seventeen, the man said to Yeshua, Good Master, what good thing do I need to do to get eternal life? Again, very simple question. Everyone wants eternal life. So what do I need to do to get eternal life? And here's Yeshua's answer. Keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And then he even specified which ones. You know? And he told them really clear. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Honor your father and mother. The Ten Commandments. Very, very clearly that he said you cannot get eternal life without keeping these. And yet the pastors, the leaders, the ones who go up on the pulpits want to tell the people today that they're all nailed to a cross, they're all done away with. That somehow you're dishonoring Yahweh by actually being obedient to the words He says. And that's why I say it's the most demonic, evil, wicked thing that you can imagine. John 8 in verse 29. John 8 in verse 29. And He who sent me is with me, and does not leave me alone because my Father is pleased at all times with the things that I do. And he spoke these things, many believed into him. So very clearly, verse uh, 28, first, then Yeshua said to him, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and from myself I do nothing. But as my Father taught me, these things I do. And he who sent me is with me because he does not leave me alone because my Father is pleased at all times with the things I do. They're in total ikad, total ikad. The Father speaks, the Son does. Faith without works is dead. So there's no contradiction. There's no contradiction. There's one set of commandments. Yeshua preached them and He kept them. John 14, we go over a couple of pages. 
John 14 and verse 15. And not only did he keep the commandments and preach the commandments, he made it a prerequisite that anybody that would follow him would also have to do the same. We just read it in 1 John 2. He who says he loves me and keeps not my commandments is a liar. John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Very simple. You know, do we love Yeshua? Something to ask somebody, a Christian, who thinks they're wicked or evil, done away with. Do you love them? Very simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, it is that one who loves me. And the one that loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I shall be loved and will reveal myself to him. Verse 23. Yeshua answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father shall love him, and we will come to him and will make a dwelling place with him. The one who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but of the Father who has sent me. So very simple. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. Chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will continue in my love as I have kept my Father's commandments and continue in His love. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. In the same context here, He also said, why do you call me Master, Master and not do the things I tell you to do? So that's the problem that the, the easy grace, so to speak, you know, people want to get the forgiveness. They want to have their soul cleansed, but they don't want to do the requirement that's done of it. You know, and if sin is the problem, and what is sin? The transgression of Yahweh's Torah. And if that's what's brought us the death penalty, then how on earth to continue in sin can it take away the death penalty? It's totally illogical in that thinking. Mark 7. Mark 7. In verse 6, then why on earth, why on earth would Christianity, they're reading the same Bible, you know, looking at the same things, why on earth then would they do away with the Sabbath day? And I'll tell you something, in the day and age we're living in, with the internet age and, and all these things with, with technology, it's not as easy to hide things from people as it was before. You know, before you had to go to a library, you had to go here, you had to look up books. Today, you could look at something really easy. I say something or anybody says something, you could, in two minutes, type it on the computer and see if it's true or not. And Sunday pastors are having a very, very hard time with things like the Sabbath now because they can't fool the people any longer. There's no proof there to back up. So why on earth, why do they continue? And I've had pastors that I've went through this with that said, I can't argue with you, you're right. Everything you're saying is true, but I can't do it. I can't teach it. I'll lose my following. I'll lose my job. I'll lose my 401k or whatever they're looking to lose simply because of this. So when we're looking at Mark, Mark 7, here's what Yeshua said concerning the same thing in verse 6. In answering Yeshua, he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy concerning you hypocrites, as it has been written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. Verse 9, And he said to them, Well do you to set aside the commandments of Yahweh, so that you may establish your own tradition. And the only reason why 99% of Sunday pastors are going there 
tomorrow, Sunday, to preach to their congregation is tradition. It's tradition. It started with Constantine. We know when Sunday worship started. It actually started in, in uh, you know, 111 AD, you know, with uh, Bishop of Rome, Sixus, that he started because of the resurrection on the first day of the week. And then they started blending the paganism of Easter, which is the mother goddess, you know, and they put all this together and they started to say, okay, we're going to start honoring instead of the seventh day being Shabbat, we're going to start honoring the first day of the week, you know, in honor of the resurrection. Nowhere is in scripture is there anything to, to back that up. Nowhere in scripture is there anything provable to that. But that's what history did. That's what tra- tradition did. Exactly what Yeshua talked about. And it didn't start to at least 100 years after he was here. As we're going to see, when we look at the apostles, they're not keeping Sunday. They're not worshiping on Sunday. They're keeping the Sabbath. You cannot go through this Bible and see any other thing. And yet scholars, scholars who write these Bibles, scholars who write all these, these uh, study Bibles, they are totally oblivious purposely, purposely to every single... You have... You have 20, 30 scriptures that clearly show the early believers were keeping the seventh-day Sabbath. And they won't even put a note on it. And yet they'll take one obscure scripture that is mistranslated, that has nothing to do with the Sabbath, and try to somehow work that in to Sunday worship. Because the bottom line is, it just ain't there. It just ain't there. To me, it's the, the debate I love the most publicly Because if I'm going to debate a Sunday pastor on which is the Sabbath day, he doesn't have even a blank in his gun. Never mind one bullet. There is zero. There's nothing. There's nothing. You could chew them apart and spit them out because there is nothing in this Bible from Genesis to Revelation that would ever make anyone ever think that Saturday became Sunday. It's just not there. It's simply just not there. But as we see here, for tradition's sake. For tradition's sake. That it started with, with Sixtus, it, it uh, continued with Constantine, who was a sun worship. You know, Baal worship on Sunday for the day of the sun, the venerable day of the sun. And Constantine clearly made the edict that said that everything that is a Sabbath worship will be changed to the venerable day of the same. Why? Most of it was anti-Semitism. Martin Luther... You know, in 1582, when they came out with the, the 93 thesis that he put on the Vatican door, one of them was going to be the Sabbath day. And they said, too Jewish. Martin Luther was an anti-Semite. They thought it was too Jewish. And that's why they went against it. Yet what I see in my Bible is that Yahweh says, these are my holy days. You know, in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, we don't see a Jew, an Israelite, an Aramean or nothing. You know, you basically have one guy in the garden. You know? So, all of this goes back to worship of Yahweh. Not Jewish tradition. Very, very clearly. So, they're rejecting it for nothing more than tradition. Nothing more than tradition. If we look in the New Testament, Luke 23, 56, because sometimes they say, I'll say to somebody, well, pinpoint for me. Because most people will believe the seventh day was the Sabbath in the Old Covenant, you know, and they'll say it was changed. And I'll say, okay, if it changed, there's got to be a week it changed. You know, here it is one week they're keeping Saturday and somebody said, next week everyone come on Sunday. So pinpoint to me, show me, show me in the Bible, show me in the history book, show me anywhere 
show me where the one week they're keeping Saturday and the next week they're keeping Sunday. And the answer you get most of the time is the crucifixion. Right after the crucifixion, that's when they started keeping Sunday. So, okay, well, let's see if the Bible backs that up. Go to Luke 23. Luke 23, verse 56. Now, this is right after the crucifixion. Yeshua just died, right? And look what it says. 2356. I'll start in 55. And having followed also the woman who were accompanying him out of Galilee, watched the tomb and how his body was placed. And returning, they prepared spices and perfume. And indeed, they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So it certainly ain't by the crucifixion, because as soon as it's doing, they're making that reference. I mean, they could have made a hundred other references. And yet, Luke is making a specific reference that they were keeping the Sabbath day. So clearly it didn't happen then. And then they'll say, oh, then it was after. It it had to be after the the resurrection. That's when it was. So let's take a look. Acts 13 and verse 14. Apostle Paul, because supposedly Paul was the, he was the ringleader of this, right? He was the main instigator. He was the guy that did away with all of this stuff. Does the Bible back that up? Absolutely not. We got a good tape. I did it many, many years ago. Was Paul a lawbreaker? Might be a good one to redo. But clearly, we see out of Paul's own mouth in the book of Acts that against the law of the Torah or the law of man, I have not offended in anything. I have not offended in anything. So Acts 13 in verse 14. But going through from Perga, they came to Antioch, Poseidon, And going into the synagogue on the day of the Sabbath, they sat down. And after the reading of the Torah and of the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent to them, saying, Men, brothers, if there is a word of exhortation to the people, speak. Very clearly. You know, here it is. This is is now 15 years after the resurrection, and he's still going on the Sabbath day into the synagogue. Drop down to verse 27. For those dwellers of Jerusalem and their leaders understand him not, nor the books of the prophets, which are read every week, every Sabbath. Rather, they condemned him and fulfilled everything that is written. So again, it doesn't sound like there's too many changes that took place, particularly with the Sabbath day. Now drop down to verse 42. Because then they'll say, well, you know, that's because they were Jews. (laughs) He was a Jew. He was going in with the Jews. But the Gentiles... The Gentiles, they were all keeping Sunday. So let's see if it says that. Verse 42. But the Jews having gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words be spoken to them on the next Sabbath. Now, logically, think to yourself. This is, like I said, 15, 20 years after the crucifixion and resurrection. Paul's going into a synagogue. The Jews are leaving and all the Gentiles are coming into the synagogue to learn. And now if they're meeting on Sunday, why would it say that they said to him, hey, preach us more of these words next Sabbath? Why wouldn't he say, you know, tomorrow when we keep our regular Sunday uh, service here and we're all eating the little cookie, let's let's all continue this. But he didn't say it. It clearly says that they exhorted him the next Sabbath to continue the same preaching. So there's nothing here. This, this is so dogmatically shows that the Sabbath was still the seventh day. That there's nothing, even remotely nothing mentioned about another day of worship, Sunday worship, nothing there. And then look at verse 44. And in the coming Sabbath, almost the whole city was gathered to hear the word of Elohim. So again, all of this talk of 
the Sabbath being changed to Sunday, it is something that was created in the minds of, 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 of these supposed scholars. But you will not find it in history books. You will not find it in the Bible. The only way you'll find it in history books is through Constantine and through the Roman or Universal Church in defiance of Yahweh's true uh, Sabbath day. As a matter of fact, even in the Catholic uh, Encyclopedia, going back to, I believe it's 1904, that the Catholic Church admits it in their own writings that yes, Saturday, the seventh day, is the Sabbath. But they also say that the Pope has authority to change it to Sunday. That's their answer. So they're not trying to say that Sunday is the seventh day or Sunday is the Sabbath. They're saying that the, the Roman Catholic Pope has authority to change it. So that's what people have to decide. Are you going to follow Yeshua, our Savior? Are you going to follow the apostles and the prophets that the New Testament is based on from Ephesians 4? Or are you going to follow the Roman Catholic bishops? You know, the ones who killed the believers, the ones who hide, tried to hijack the faith, the original faith. This is something that people have to make decisions for themselves. But as far as looking at the facts, the facts are very clear that Saturday, the seventh day, is the Sabbath, was the Sabbath, and will be the Sabbath, as we will see here. So let's look now at uh, Acts 15.21. Now this is, we all know, the Acts 15 Council, which is on circumcision. Does a Gentile believer who's coming to faith need to be circumcised to join the New Covenant? We see that's the question. It's not the question of the whole Torah, but it's the question of circumcision. Because the rabbinical uh, orthodox in that day, you could say, would not sit down and eat. They would not meet in the same room with people who were not circumcised. And they were saying that Gentiles needed to be circumcised to join the new covenant. The answer from the apostles was clearly no. They don't have to. But Acts 15.21 is very interesting. Acts 15.21 says, For in every city from ancient generations, Moses has those proclaiming him, having been read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So clearly here, they're saying, hey, these guys are going to learn, these Gentiles, they're going to learn all these things because every Sabbath, Moses is being preached in the synagogue. Every week we do a Torah reading. So if there's a new person who's a Gentile, who knows very little, as he's sitting in this chair week by week, week by week, month by month, and year by year, he's going to learn the Torah every Sabbath, because every Sabbath we read it. Again, nothing about Sunday worship, Sunday keeping, or it being changed there. Uh, Acts 16.13. Now here it is where Paul's in an area where they don't have enough men to even have a synagogue. So you can't use the excuse of he's only worshiping on Shabbat because... That's the Jews there in the synagogue. But there is no synagogue. And look what it says. And we went out on the day of the Sabbath without the gate of the city to the bank of the river because there was seen a house of prayer and sitting down the people spoke with the woman who came together there. So very clearly here it is. They don't have 10 men so they can't make a minion. They don't have an official congregation. But what do they do? He's still recognizing the Sabbath day. They're sitting by a, a river and they're keeping the Shabbat. Acts 17 and verse 2. Acts 17 and verse 2. And according to Paul's custom, he went out into them and reasoned with them from the scriptures on three Sabbaths. So we saw what was Yeshua's custom? Yeshua's custom was to keep the Sabbath day. What is Paul's custom? Paul's custom is to keep the Sabbath day. Does it ever say that Paul's custom was to keep Sunday or the first day of the week? No. Nowhere. Nowhere at all does it ever say anything like it. Acts 18 and verse 1. 
And after these things departing from Athens, Paul came to Corinth, and in verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue on every Sabbath, persuading both Jews and pagans. So now, is he going to the pagans on another day of the week? No, the pagans are coming to the synagogue if they want to learn the truth. Very, very clear. Nothing ever remotely that ever says of any other day. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. It says, and because of this we give thanks. Oop, I'm in First Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. But we ought to thank Yahweh always concerning you, brothers, because by Yahweh, by Yahweh, because Yahweh chose you from the beginning to salvation in sanctification of the Spirit and through a true faith. So again, justification, what does it mean? There's two steps to salvation, justification and sanctification. Justification is to be made right by Yahweh. There's nothing you can do to do that. It can only come by the shed blood of our Savior. And that's the way we're justified, made right before Yahweh. But the way you enter that justification is sanctifying yourself, which means you have to separate yourself away from the world. And that's what the holy days in the Shabbat is part of. It's part of separating us from the rest of the world. So he's saying he chose you from the beginning to salvation in sanctification of the Spirit and through a true faith, to which he called you through our preaching to be the glory of our Master Yeshua Messiah. So then, brothers, stand firm and strongly hold the commandments you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. So he's saying you must stand firm and hold these commandments that were taught by the apostles. The apostles and the prophets. And what did they teach? They taught the Sabbath day. They taught the holy days of Yahweh. Very, very simple. If we go to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. We'll see the New Testament believers were keeping this. Again, if you're looking at Paul's letters, you know this from the Bible school. We always say you have to find out who Paul is writing to. What is the problem? Why is he writing the letter to understand it? And we know with Colossians... And most scholars agree with this. We see that the problem to the Colossae church was one of Gnosticism. You know, people believing that any form of anything dealing with your body was evil. So again, in a little bit here, we're going to have ourselves a Sabbath meal and we're going to eat some good food. The Gnostics would think that that's evil. From Gnosticism came the monks in the mid-ages that even put chains on their body, literally for years. And you would see the chain marks in their skin because they thought somehow that was pleasing to Yahweh. And we know I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Yahweh is not pleased by us having chains on our back. That's why I say His law frees us. It doesn't enslave us. It frees us from the penalties that it brings for breaking it. So this is the problem here. You have Gnosticism and Ascenticism. People that were falsely dealing with uh, angelic things, everything was angels and seeing angels and dealing with uh, false spiritual things. We see the same thing today sometimes, some of it through demonism. But this is what Paul's dealing with. So these ascetics and these Gnostics are criticizing the believers for keeping the Shabbat and keeping the holy days. That's very clear. So when we go to Colossians 2 and verse 8, let's, let's set the stage here. Because Paul is going to warn them against this. He says, watch that there not be one misleading you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the elements of the world, and not according to Messiah. 
And some of these false teachers will actually accuse what I'm saying now that I fit this scripture. But I want to ask you, am I misleading you through philosophy today? No, I haven't even talked about philosophy. Or empty deceit? No. According to the tradition of men? Did I say anything that's the tradition of men or the commandment of Yahweh? It's the opposite. You know, so I'm warning you against the tradition of men to keep the commandment of Yahweh. According to the elements of the world and not according to Messiah. We're doing the exact opposite. We're doing exactly what the scripture is telling. To warn people against philosophy of men and traditions of men. Sunday is a tradition of men. You know, all of these man-made holidays of Easter and Christmas and Halloween and all the other mishmash that people do. They're all traditions of men and elements of the world and not according to Messiah. We had, I forget where we were, we were in America last month and uh, I forget how it came up but somebody said to us with Mariah, they said, well, what do you do on Halloween? I said, well, thankfully in Israel, we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> what do we do on Halloween? You know, why? I mean, can you imagine? Why on earth would any believer, okay, Christmas, it's masked at least, you know? But Halloween is just filled with demons and goblins and evil stuff. Why would any believer do it? And again, it's according to the elements of the world, but not according to Messiah. So it's very clear here. In Colossians 2, Paul is not warning us about Sabbath keeping. He's warning us about worldly pagan elements that, uh, you know, that, that are trying to be forced on the people and not the, uh, the things according to Messiah. So if we drop down to verse 11 now, he says, In whom also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made by hands, and the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Messiah, being buried with him in baptism, and by him you were raised with him, for you believed in the power of Yahweh who raised him from the dead. You know, and you who were once dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has granted to live with him, having forgiven all your sins. And by his mandates, he canceled the legal contract of our sins, which existed against us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the torture stake. You know, and this is where they get he nailed. The law is nailed to the cross. Never ever says anything in any translation. You could look in the Greek, you could look in the Aramaic, you could look anywhere. It will never say that Yeshua took the Torah and nailed it to anything. What he's saying is he took our penalty for breaking the Torah. That when we're buried with him at baptism, you know, we're coming on his back, so to speak, and he is taking our penalty. Because when people were crucified in the first century, what would happen? As they're being crucified, they would put above their head their penalty. That's why I said, you know, Yeshua, king of the Jews, he claimed to be a king. That was his penalty. That was against the law you know, in that day. So the same with us. All of our sins that we do when we're buried with him in baptism, we're putting our penalty on that tree and he's removing all the penalty of our sins. Nothing about removing Torah. Nothing about now I can lie, now I can steal because he was crucified on a tree. Absolutely, utterly ridiculous. So by his mandates, he canceled the legal contract and it is a legal contract. Every human being will stand before the judgment seat of Messiah and give account for the things done in the flesh, good or evil. So whether you're an atheist or whether you're living in Siberia somewhere, whoever you are, every human being that ever lived will have a judgment day. And he's canceling that legal contract of our sins, which existed against us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the torture stake. And then if we drop down to, uh, well, read verse 15. And by putting off his mortal body, he exposed the powers of evil and through his person, he put them to open shame. So because of this now, 
because of him doing this, because he is our Savior, because of, of, of the glory that he has from dying for all of our sins, for breaking the Torah. It says, therefore, do not let anyone, and he's talking about anyone outside the body, judge among you about eating or drinking or how you keep the feast days or the new moon or the Sabbath day. So, very interesting here. The controversy is not whether to keep them or not. The controversy was how the believers were keeping them and that these Gentiles were judging them for it. They were judging them for having Shabbat meals. They were judging them for fasting on Yom Kippur. They were judging them for taking leaven out of their house for this week. What are you, you, leaven? You can't eat bread? What are you talking about? The same thing that happens to us when we're in a Gentile area, right? Have you ever tried to explain to someone why you're, you're not eating bread this week but I can eat it next week? We've all been there. You know, or, or not, you can't eat this or that. So he's saying, do not let anyone outside the body judge you in how you keep the feast days. And why? Because they remain shadows of coming things. Because those feast days talk about the death, the suffering, the resurrection of Yeshua Messiah. It talks about us being first fruits to him. It talks about the Holy Spirit coming to us when we surrender our sinful nature and repent of our sins. And accept his shed blood for that. And then the fall feasts that are coming up just in a few weeks. Talks about the feast of Yom Teruah, the blowing of a trumpet. Yeshua's return. Yom Kippur, I'll turn your, fe- your fast days to feast days. Sukkot, all about the kingdom. Seventh month, seven days. You know, seven feasts. All of it. All of these days. And then the last great day about the final judgment. So these feast days throughout the year tell the plan of salvation every single year of our life. And Christianity would have never lost that plan of salvation. They would never think that you die and you're floating up on a cloud and a harp if they wouldn't have stopped keeping these holy days. Because the holy days teach us the reward of the saved. They teach us that when when you accept Messiah, Galatians 3.29, then you become a seed of Abraham and an heir according to the promises. So whatever I'm going to get, I'm going to get exactly what Abraham got. Because I'm an heir of him now. Abraham was never offered heaven. Abraham was offered the Holy Land. Yahweh said to him in Genesis 13, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, you know, that I will give you from the the river Euphrates to the Mediterranean. This land, he said to Moses, Deuteronomy 34, 9, from the top of, of, of Mount Nebo, which will be there in another month. He said, look out at this land. This is the land I promised Abraham. So these are the things, and this is why these holy days are important. That's why they remain shadows of coming things. And some translations will literally, openly, deceitfully change that to, instead of they remain shadows of coming things, to these worthless days are done away with. They literally change it like that. When it never says that in any manuscript, whether you're reading the Greek, Texas Receptus, or the Aramaic, They remain shadows of coming things. But let the body of Messiah. Don't let outside people judge you, but let the body of Messiah. So very clearly, Colossians is not speaking against these things at all. And for Sabbath keepers, it also mentions keeping the new moons and the holy days. There are some Sabbath keepers that only keep the Sabbath and they don't keep the new moons or the holy days. And yet here, clearly we see they're all part of uh, the same situation there. Let's go to Exodus 31. We're going to be ending up here in a few minutes. But there still are a couple of very important scriptures we need to go in. Because the Sabbath is not just about creation 
It's not just about proving that we have a creator, although that's a very, very important part of it. But because the world rejected Yahweh's creation in the Garden of Eden, that means they rejected his Sabbath day. And from that point, Yahweh used the Sabbath day for the last 6,000 years now as a sign between him and this chosen seed, this redemptive seed that he's doing throughout the world. And that's important because I just said, you cannot get to the Messiah unless you become a seed of Abraham. And that's New Testament. That's not Old Testament. So if you want to become a seed of Abraham, why? Because the promise was not to seeds as to many, but seeds as to one, Messiah. And, and Yahweh from the Garden of Eden had chose to work through this one seed. And he was going to give a sign to the seed. So that even if, if you get kicked out of the land of Israel, even if your descendants forgot who they were, even if everything went wrong and you wound up on a little island somewhere in the South Pacific, that this sign would prove that I'm your Elohim and you're my people. And like I said, you'll have to kill me to take that sign away. Because I am not going to give that sign away that Yahweh has blessed us with and has chosen this beautiful, wonderful sign that he's our Elohim and we're his people. So let's read it. Exodus 31 and verse 12. And Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, And you speak to the sons of Israel, charging them, charging them, Only my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you for your generation to know that I am Yahweh, your sanctifier. Like I said, you got half the world keeping Sunday. You got another third of the world keeping Friday. You got other people probably keeping Tuesday and Wednesday and every other day. But there's only one Elohim of Shabbat. Sunset on the sixth day to sunset on the seventh day, according to the scripture. That's it. And even people who claimed to be Shabbat keepers, now Satan tricked them. You know, he can't get them to be a Muslim. He can't get them to be a Christian. So what does he do? He tricks them into all this baloney of lunar Sabbath and every other thing. You know, giving up. But very clear and clearly from Leviticus 23.32, you shall keep your Shabbat from Erev to ever, evening to evening. It's not something we go out and sight. We're not looking for a star or looking for a moon. It's the absence of the sun. When the sun goes down, one day ends and new day begins. So sunset from the sixth day to sunset on the seventh day is the Shabbat. And he said, speak to the sons of Israel, charging them, my Sabbath only you shall keep. It is a sign between me and you for your generation that you will know that I am Yahweh your sanctifier. Yahweh the one that's setting you apart from everybody else. And you shall keep the Sabbath. For it is holy to you. It is set apart to you. The profaners of it shall surely be executed. Boy, does that sound like it's one of the least of the commandments? You know? There's commandments like you shall not steal that if you get caught, you've got to give back with 20%. But this is one of the big ones. This is one of the ones that has the death penalty. Surely you shall be executed. For everyone doing work in it, that soul shall be cut off from the midst of his people. Work may be done six days, and on the seventh day is the Shabbat of rest. Holy to Yahweh. Everyone doing work on the Sabbath day surely shall be put to death. And the sons of Israel shall guard the Sabbath to observe and to do the Sabbath for their generations. It is a never-ending covenant. Do you know why Yahweh chose Abraham above everybody else to make the covenant with him? Do you know why? It says it in, in, in Genesis 26. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, he kept my charge to keep my commandments, my statutes, my judgments, my Torah. And if you look those words up, it literally means to preserve. To preserve. That Yahweh knew 
no matter what, he knew Abraham wasn't going to live forever, but he knew that Abraham would instill it in his son, and he would instill it in his son, which was extremely important because it had to go from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the 12 sons. Now, after that, you know, we know what happened. But in the Bible, it's so strange that very rarely do you even see two generations keeping the commandments of Yahweh. Very, very rarely. But Yahweh knew, he knew that Abraham would preserve it. He would guard it and protect it. This is so important to us as true believers, not only for our destiny, but for the destiny of the next generation, for their children and their children. And shame on the person who loses that. Shame on the person who fails in this regard who does not instill in their children the importance of this covenant between Yahweh and his children forever. Verse 15, Work may be done six days, and on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. Holy the Yahweh, everyone doing work shall be put to death. And the sons of Israel shall guard the Sabbath to observe it, to do the Sabbath for their generations. It is a never-ending covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the sons of Israel. For in six days Yahweh made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave to Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of Yahweh. Wow. Like I said, millions of books, millions of things written by man. One thing ever in this world that Yahweh actually wrote with his fingers. And I'm excited because I do think those commandment plaques will come out before the kingdom comes. And I'm so excited to see them. Something Yahweh wrote with his own fingers that man wants to do away. Ten simple rules of the character of our Heavenly Father. But what, what a uh, commandment this is. What a covenant that Yahweh is. What a blessing it is that he gives us. And like I said, nowhere, nowhere in the scripture does it ever say it's altered, changed, done away with, moved to another day. Matthew 24, 20 talking about a future time, a time that hasn't happened yet. And what does he say? Pray that your flight will not occur in the winter or on the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath day is still there. And again, in the Hebrew, this is one of the things that clearly proves the rotating Sabbath cannot be. Because like we said, we know when the perfect article is there, Ha Shabbat, it is only referring to one specific day. It cannot be a rotating day. So the fact that he says, pray your flight is not on Ha Shabbat, it's proving there is still the Sabbath day in the end time, a time in the future that we haven't hit yet. Six days Yahweh created the heavens and the earth, the seventh day is the Sabbath. Yahweh gave mankind 6,000 years to rule the earth. The seventh thousand year is called the millennium. A day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. We know that from 1 Peter 3. So clearly we see that the Sabbath is related to the millennium, that the Sabbath is related to uh, the rest of Yeshua, the recreation of the world. All of this is tied into. Because when the Sabbath was first created, remember, everything was perfect. And when the Sabbath will be fulfilled in the millennium, everything will be going back to being perfect again. Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. In verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I make stand before me, declares Yahweh, so your seed and your name shall stand. Remember, we become a seed of Abraham. We become part of the... We get grafted into the tree of Israel. 
And he's saying here to Israel, as the new heavens and the new earth which I make stand before me, declares Yahweh, so your seed and your name shall stand. And it will be from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to its Sabbath, all flesh shall come and worship before me, says Yahweh. I look forward to that day so much where you won't have to anymore go and tell your neighbor, no Yahweh, they will all know me from the least to the greatest of it. That they will all know that as you go out here, everybody on this seventh day, everybody on this Shabbat will be wherever they're going, they're going to worship Yahweh. Whether it's to their synagogues, to the sanctuary of Yahweh, they're going to worship Yahweh. Isaiah 56, if we go back a few verses here. Isaiah 56, because some people still try to say it's only for the Israelite, but it's not for the Gentile. And very clearly, Isaiah 56 says, So says Yahweh, keep justice and do righteousness. For my Yeshua is coming and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, keeping the Sabbath from defiling it and keeping his hand from doing every evil. And do not let the son of the foreigner, the Gentile, speak. He who joins himself to Yahweh, he who grafts into the covenant, saying, surely Yahweh separates me from his people. You know, this is only for, for the Israelite, not, not for the Gentile. And do not let the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For so says Yahweh to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose things I am pleased with and take hold of my covenant, I, even I, will give to them in my house, in my walls, a hand and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. And the sons of the foreign who join themselves to Yahweh to serve Him and to love the name of Yahweh, to be His servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and takes hold of my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mount and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Yeshua actually quoted this when he overturned the money changers. Because the money changers were Gentiles that are sitting there and they're thinking, well, it's okay for them to be selling this on Shabbat because they're only Gentiles. And that's the point he's trying to make as he said, quoted this scripture, that all flesh will come and worship before me. That it doesn't matter. Once you graft yourself into the one tree of Israel, there's one law, Numbers 15, for the Israelite born or the one that's grafted in. We're all one family, there's one law. And all of us are to keep it. Isaiah 58, I'll just mention that quickly. I won't go there. But it does talk about not doing our own pleasure on Yahweh's day. I mentioned that before. And just something that we realize. It's not just a day to sleep 19 hours. <laughs> you know, It's a day that we are to worship. It's a day we're to glorify Yahweh. It's a day because we work all week and we don't always have the time we need for reading our Bibles and studying and fellowshipping. But it's a day for glorification. It's a day for glorification of Yahweh in all those different ways that we do it. And I would like to uh, end here with two scriptures. The first one I will read will be in Hebrews 4. Because people also say, you know, nine of the Ten Commandments are reiterated in the New Testament. The only one that's not is the Sabbath. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. And it's the exact opposite. There is more on the Sabbath in the New Covenant than any other commandment. But here in Hebrews 4, in verse 4, it says, For he has spoken concerning the Sabbath, and Elohim rested from all his works on the seventh day. Again, going back to creation. Hebrews 4 and verse 4 and verse 5. And here again he said, They shall not enter into my rest. Again, equating in Hebrews 3 and 4, 
the rest we have in Messiah and the rest of the millennium compared to the Sabbath rest. And he says, there was a chance for some to enter into it, but they to whom the good news was first preached did not enter in on account of disobedience. He again marks out a certain day saying in David, today after such a long time, according to he has said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua the son of Nun had given them rest, then would he have afterwards spoken about another day? It is therefore the duty of the people of Elohim to keep the Sabbath. And it says the same whether you're reading it in the Greek or you're reading it in the Aramaic. Very clearly here, the Sabbath is used as a verb. It's something we're doing where most of the time it's a noun. It's a specific thing, a day. So he's saying clearly, not only should we be recognizing the seventh day as the Sabbath, but we should be doing it. Just like we said, faith without works is dead. The deed is the evidence of your faith. And that's why I say, I don't only believe in the Sabbath, I keep the Sabbath. And the last one I want to go over is in Revelation 22. Could have went over some more things, but I think we did enough for today. Like I said, we could actually do a whole course. Maybe I will. Maybe it's an inspiration. On the blessing of the Sabbath day. Revelation 22. Revelation 22, and I'll start in verse 12. And behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to give to each according to his work. Revelation 22, 12. I am the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. Blessed are the ones doing his commandments, that their authority will be over the tree of life, and that they may enter by the gates of the city. Interesting enough, keeping the commandments, keeping the Shabbat, again going back to the Garden of Eden. Where Adam failed by not keeping them, he's saying the blessing will come to those who do keep them. But the ones not there, the ones who are not going to be in the kingdom, who are they? The dogs and the sorcerers, the fornicators and the murderers, the idolaters and everyone loving a lie and doing falsehood. Like we said, evolution, evolution is a lie. Creation, Yahweh, the creator of the creation and the seventh day is the truth. I, Yeshua, sent my cherub to testify these things to you over the congregations. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride said, Come. And the one hearing him say, Come. And the one thirsting, let him come. And the one desiring, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify together with everyone hearing the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, Yahweh will add to him upon the plagues having been written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, Yahweh will take away his part in the book of life and out of the holy city and out of the things written in this book. So again, you take away from the word of Yahweh you take away yourself of eternal life. And when we look at it, Saturday, the seventh day, from sunset day six to sunset day seven, is the Sabbath, it's a commandment, it's eternal, it's our very sign of the covenant. Sunday is not the Sabbath day, Sunday is a lie, Sunday is a tradition of men, Sunday is a corruption, and it's worship toward the sun god, Baal. So, Yahweh bless, and may we look forward to the day that every human being on earth Isaiah 66 will be worshiping the King of Kings, the Master of Masters from Shabbat to Shabbat.